0: Hi, I'm Cheryl and Hello, this is Cristabel. Hello, this is Michael Horst.
1: Do you enjoy listening to Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the podcast? Have you picked up our book yet, Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book that has over one hundred cast and crew who have contributed to this book and it's i think people really love it i mean we also have community commentary where a lot of the community have participated in this it's just a great book we recommend you pick it up at bluerosemag.com
0: thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping twin peaks alive
2: to Season 1 Madness. I'm your host, Brian Kozaska, and today we'll be crowning the best Twin Peaks Season 1 episode of all time, according to us. I've explained the rules to our panel before recording, but for our viewers at home, here is how it will work. We have all eight episodes of Season 1 laid out in an eight-team single elimination bracket. Using IMDB's rating system, we have put the lowest rated against the highest rated going down the line. First episode to get three votes moves moves on until we determine the best episode of Twin Peaks Season 1 ever, according to us. We will have a panel of four experts this time around. If you remember the first time, we only had three. We're upping the game. If we do have a tie, I will be the tiebreaker, but I believe we will not have one of those. I would be very surprised, shocked if we did. So, on to our panelists First on our panel is Francine the Lucid Dream. Hi there. She she could be found with Lord Schaefer and all the rest of the women of the the Pink Room, the David Lynch burlesque around the New York area. And she could also be heard during our community rewatch, playing such characters as Nadine Hurley, Norma Jennings, and Catherine Martell. Welcome, Francine.
3: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: And our second panelist is the godfather of Twin Peaks himself, John Thorne. John's work can be found on the essential wrapped in plastic at Pathways to Twin Peaks and currently working on the Blue Rose magazine with our good old buddy Scott Ryan. Subscribe today. Welcome, John.
4: Hey, thanks for having me.
2: And our third panelist is Mr. Lost in the Movies himself, Mr. Joel Bacco. You can sign up for his Patreon and check out his blog, Lost in the Movies, Currently covering the Veronica Mars. Welcome back, Joel.
5: Thanks. It's great to be here. This is my favorite uh, Twin Peaks activity now.
2: And our fourth and final panelist, he can be heard right here on Twin Peaks Unwrapped, my co-host with the mostest, Mr. Ben Durant. Welcome, Ben, to your own show. <laughs>
1: Thank you for having me.
2: <laughs> okay. So let's let's move on to the madness. Uh, we have our first round. Our first round, we have Twin Peaks Season 1, Episode 7 coming in with a 9.1 rating. Uh, Ben Horn's plans are finally realized with unforeseen consequences. And Cooper is shot and left on the floor for the big cliffhanger. And that episode is against Season 1, Episode 4 was an 8.3 rating. And that episode had Cooper and Truman track down the one-armed man. Some strange, with some strange new evidence. Norma goes to a parole board hearing for her husband. Audrey begins her own investigation to Laura's death. We're going to go with uh, Francine.
3: Oh, boy. Me first. You are first. I just want to say, first of all, I'm so happy you guys asked me to be back on the podcast. Um, I'm so pissed at you for having me on this one. (laughs) (laughs) How, How this is like season one Twin Peaks is basically a perfect season
2: it's a tough one
3: so and it obviously shaped me in many ways um so yeah i hate that i have to do this because i think they're all wonderful um but i feel again this is tough but i feel like that last episode it just is just jam-packed with so much stuff happening and it was worth it to have all that happen just for the first episode in season two when Coop wakes up in the hospital and has everything played back to him, that what Mm -hmm. happened after that summer off from, from TV. Yeah. Um, just for that joke that they got to tell him. (laughs) So this is what happened. So and so died, smoke inhalation, blah, 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 like everything, you know, so just the memory of that, um, makes the the cliffhanger, the important one for me. Although episode four is great. It's like a solid, like push through with a lot of wonderful, weird stuff. Um, so
2: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with seven. Episode seven. All right, Mr. Uh John Thorne, we're going to you next. Well,
4: um I'm going to pick episode four. Whoa. Episode the... seven. And I have a couple of reasons why I and I agree with Francine because to choose some of these episodes over other episodes is really tough. Um Cause the whole season one is almost perfect. Mm. So each one is sort of a chapter in, you know, this, this great initial part of the story. Um, I don't have anything against episode seven, but um, for episode four was directed by Tim Hunter, who I think is probably the second best director uh, on the entire Twin Peaks series. And there's just a lot of little things about episode four that I, I like, um, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of little, um, just a lot of little moments. You know, there's the scene where, um, they raid Jacques apartment at the very end, but Mm. there's this bizarre tennis match going on just over on the side. (laughs) They show it for about two seconds, but, um, it's a curious little, little thing. And then there's the visit to the, Lidecker Clinic and the llama coming up to um, Cooper and things like that. that just stand out for me. They're little tiny things I really like. So I'm picking episode four. All
2: right, John. Wow. All right. We're going to Joel Baco.
5: So episode seven versus episode four, episode seven, you've got Mark Frost directing. And I think it's really interesting. It's almost like a Hill Street Blues episode. There's no supernatural heavy on like the crime stuff and the town melodrama, not very woodsy. It's an interesting Take on Twin Peaks, but I think episode four, in a way, feels more Peaksian to me. Uh, I love the fact that we're seeing the investigations get going. You're not having, you know, the first three episodes leading up to the funeral, I don't think, I think we're kind of stuck in place. Everyone's digesting Laura's death. Now you see Cooper, you see Audrey, you see James, Don, and Maddie all going in their own directions. And you get all these cool one-off locations like Lidecker's clinic and Jacques' apartment and uh, you even get to see a little bit of the high school for the last time in a ton of episodes Mm -hmm. so i just have a lot of affection for this episode for a long time it was my favorite of season one i don't know if i'd go that far anymore but i would definitely go with episode four i think underrated gem
2: wow thank you thank you joel now ben this is a one to this is one to two. This is pretty so I interesting. Could,
1: I could. This could become a tiebreaker if I go with seven. This you could, could do be, it. Yeah.
2: Yes. So Ben, what is your your thoughts on this one?
1: I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. It's episode four. Tim Hunter. Wow. The pacing wow. of Tim Hunter is just incredible. I mean, you, I mean, you guys have already kind of mentioned it, but we also have the one arm man that they get kind of like break down the door of one armed man's motel. Um, and that that scene there, and that takes them off to the veterinarian, and we talked about the llama scene that that <laughs> the llama and Cooper look at each other, and that it's just a great paced episode. It really is is the best. Wow, that that was a good round, guys. That was hard though because it is Mark Frost, and Mark Frost. That, I think it's the know. only one he directed. Yes. yes, it's the only one he directed, and he did a great job. And I love the whole Jacoby is having a heart attack, and you go into his eye and you see the casino, mm-hmm. and I, there's some beautiful visuals. But you can't, you know, you can't beat Tim Hunter. Just I'm just going to say I I don't think I've ever seen an episode
4: uh, deliver cliffhangers better than that last episode of season 1 of Twin Peaks. I mean, it was just like one cliffhanger after another. Right. Just boom, boom, boom and Frost has said he fully intended to do that. Not only did he want to ramp up all the, you know, the, the tension, but he also was somewhat subversively kind of mocking the the soap opera genre by Hmm. just piling you know cliffhanger after cliffhanger on so it is hard not to choose that one but yeah that's yeah. the way it is, I guess.
1: And John, there was there had been rumors that there were there were two endings. Like I think that was the whole Donahue. and mm-hmm. I, I thought there was rumors that oh, if we don't get picked up, we have one ending, and then if we do get picked up, there's the big cliffhangers. But it really does seem like maybe they never. It was always just one cliff cliffhanger.
4: Yeah, he, he, Mark Frost was on the Phil Donahue show uh, just uh, before episode seven aired. We are joined by Mark Frost, who just happens to be the executive producer, creator, and writer, as well as the director of Twin Peaks. Hey.
0: Well, are we picked up or what? Tell us, Mark. Well, I just got a phone call. We've been picked up for the fall. Well, that's good enough. The first they've heard of it. It's nice to be working.
4: And he was told, or he may have known, but the the news broke on that Donahue show that the show had been picked up for a second season. And he said – he must have known in advance of that. He said they are – something to the effect of they are frantically working on it right now Mm. to kind of keep it open. And I think that was – just a little tease from Mark Frost. I don't I think the episode was done <laughs> long done the way it was going to be.
0: Right. I suppose
4: maybe they were going to throw a title card up at the end or something and you know, I I don't know. Honestly don't know if if, if they if they had been canceled whether or not they would have had tried to closed it somehow but I
1: yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. What were you going to say Francine?
3: Oh, I was just going to say like after listening to everyone, even John and the first thing you said uh, I have to, first of all, I should say that, uh, I do not have the encyclopedic knowledge that Shafer the Dark Lord, the Pink Room's main host, <laughs> does. Um, so when you, like, episode four is not as memorable to me as the the finale, but, uh, as soon as he said llama, I was like the llama, honestly. <laughs> like, I had a llama lady in my hometown, and that one moment was just, it's maybe my favorite moment in all of Twin Peaks. Um... <laughs> That may have swayed me, but'll I'll, I'll
2: stick with my original answer though. Yeah, for, for what it's worth, Francine, I would have picked uh, that uh, <laughs> episode seven as well. because <laughs> I
1: you should have been on the panel. See, no it's gonna happen again, Joel, because oh. I'm on the panel it's gonna get swayed.
2: I'm just saying, I'm just saying that's what I would picked. But we must move on. We must move on. We have season one episode two with a 9.0 rating. Dale demonstrates odd techniques from the sheriff's department, the rock throwing. We see the Red Room, Audrey's dance, and Donna and James plan to solve Laura's murder. Up against season one, episode three, with an 8.4 rating. The people of Twin Peaks gather for Laura's funeral, a fantastic scene. Agent Cooper interprets his dream about the killer. Truman reveals to Cooper the secret of the Bookhouse Boys. Both these episodes have amazing things in them. Alright, we're gonna go with Ben first on this one. I knew you are gonna go
1: to me. First. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh, this is a really hard one because it is. I there's something. They're really both really good episodes, and I think about like episode three. You have Harley Peyton who wrote this script. He was nominated for uh, an Emmy for writing in this episode. It's such a good. The whole funeral scene is so good. But episode two is David Lynch. It's it's, it's the Red Room. I mean, like it's yeah, it's right. just jaw-dropping, incredible, and and I just love the whole pace of David Lynch. I love it starting off with the horns uh, eating, and they're not talking for a while, and it just, it's just so good. You can't beat David Lynch t- for me, so it's got to be episode two.
2: Episode two gets it from Ben, and we're moving Joel Bacco. You're next in the docket.
5: This is not a hard one for me. Episode two is I think the quintessence even more than pi- the pilot of Twin Peaks. It's the moment where everything comes together and just hits this kind of peak perfection. And I think, you know, Lynch always talks about, gee, wishes that they hadn't solved the mystery of and it just kept going and going. And, Hmm. you know, that's sort of a questionable uh, judgment, I think, but this is kind of, I think, what it would have looked like at its best had that happened. And, uh, you know, the Red Room sequence, you can't get more iconic than that. I like episode three, all right. It's never honestly been one of my favorite, favorite of season two, season one, I mean. Um, but for me, this has always been way up there, uh, just in general, in the series as a whole. I mean, I think if you were to say to somebody, watch one episode of Twin Peaks, this would be the episode you've showed them. Mm-mm. No doubt in my mind.
2: Very true, Joel. All right, we're going on to John Thorn, John.
5: Wow,
4: this is so hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I love uh, episode three and the funeral and Harley Payton, but it's no contest. It's episode two. I think the moment of Dale Cooper's dream is probably the most memorable moment. I've ever had watching t v
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, save save maybe for episode eight of season three, but that's a whole different thing
0: mm-hmm.
4: um, I mean, if it wasn't for episode two, I mean I never would have devoted myself to to Twin Peaks mm-hmm. I and mean, then just they just wouldn't have been wrapped in plastic and all that other stuff I mean it's just episode two and
2: Francine, we know it won, but what was you what was your uh, your pick there
3: I mean what am I supposed to say? It's really <laughs> pleasing to see all these. Major characters standing in the same, you know, graveyard together. <laughs> but, uh, maybe if Bobby had actually kicked James's ass, then I would vote for three. But we did not get to see that. Sadly, um, yeah, episode two is iconic. Like you said, everything in that just—I mean—the rock throwing is hilarious and also dark, and it just shows like the wonderful twist of like humor and really dark stuff that you know goes through all David Lynch's work. Uh, the red room, of course, the dream sequence, Audrey's dance, and I mean, you. It, I, if I if I told if I was trying to convince someone to watch Twin Peaks, obviously I'd say start with the pilot, but I would say like please, 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 just get through at least episode two. And yeah, growing up I called episode three, but but yeah, watch that because that this is the episode that I believe changed television forever.
0: I've the good news. That the wash is going to come back in style. She's my cousin. But doesn't she or Almost like that. Is it Palmer. But it, it is Laura Palmer. Are you Laura Palmer? Hey, I know her. Well, some parents... My arms, but she's filled with features.
2: All right, we're moving on. We're moving on up. We're going up against. This is an interesting one. Season one, the pilot episode, which has an 8.9 rating. Laura Palmer found dead, wrapped in plastic. Dale Cooper comes to the town of Twin Peaks. I don't need to say more. Uh season one, episode one, was an. rating cooper makes a connection with audrey horn and interrogates james ed reveals his beer had probably been drugged at the roadhouse after the big fight and mrs palmer has a terrible vision and we're gonna start off with uh john thorne on this one
4: um another tough one (laughs) um Uh, of course it's the pilot. Yeah. I mean, hands down, it's the pilot. I, we, we could say this about episode one. It is co-written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, so mm-hmm. it, it's the only other episode that really shares that with the pilot. Well, I mean, I don't know whether to talk about the pilot now or talk about the pilot later, because I can, think I'll have an opportunity to talk about it. You probably will. <laughs> it's up to you. You can um, save it if you like. It's up to we'll you. Say, just, okay, it's the pilot. All right.
1: What if we all vote against the pilot, though? Oh, boy. <laughs>
2: then John could – I'll let him come back around. come back around. <laughs> yeah, if you all vote against him, just to be jerks. Next on the docket is Joel Bacco. Joel.
5: The episode – episode one actually was my pilot because when I first watched the series, the oh. pilot was not on DVD. So Netflix sent oh, me wow. the first disc, and I popped it in, and I was like, what is this show? Like, what – there's somebody's already dead. Like they're just starting <laughs> off. For, uh, thing. Like I don't know. I don't know if this shows me. And then the scene with Bob behind the couch popped up, and that—that that was the first thing to kind of hook me. But of course, I, I eventually saw the pilot. And like John said, I think we'll have more time to talk about that later. I'll just say for episode one, um, I go up and down on it. Sometimes I really like it. Sometimes it's the weakest episode of season one to me. Um, but I think it does its, it keeps its head down. It does its job well. It turns Twin Peaks into a TV show, not just sort of this one-off TV event. Like It shows how it can go forward as a week-to-week TV show. And I think it's very interesting for that. But there's really no contest, definitely the pilot.
2: Cool. Thank you, Joel. Well, we're moving on to Francine.
3: I'm gonna have to say the pilot. I agree with what you just said about this, like becoming like feeling like a TV show and just like it, it's like moving more. But there, I mean, again, yeah. same thing with episode two. The pilot's just so iconic. Like those, for me, are like the two of the most important episodes that you would have to watch to like at least get a basic understanding of what Twin Peaks is all about. So yeah, pilot.
2: So the pilot moves on because of Francine. But Ben, what would have been your pick if you had your choice? I would pick Lost Highway.
1: (laughs) No, I mean yes, it would be the pilot. But I'll say with Episode One, you know, that was that was directed by Dwayne Dunham, who is the editor of the pilot. So it was kind of nice that you had somebody who was very familiar with the pilot actually editing the uh, directing the next episode, and I thought he did a great job. I love that scene where. Cooper's hanging upside down and you kind of pan his room and I think that was a cool shot It is a great scene. But the pilot we're gonna talk more about it, but that pilot is just so incredible and It really is just a great it's it's like a it's its own movie Which is kind of what David Lynch has always said. It's kind of like a movie. Yeah And it's a, I'm always impressed that it's taken a half hour before we even see Cooper We kind of get to know the town and it's just it's just a great show Coming Sunday, April eighth. She's dead wrapped in plastic. 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. The Los Angeles Times says Twin Peaks is certainly like nothing else on television. W.C. Fields would say, I'd rather be here than Philadelphia. The Washington Post calls it unprecedented. This you gotta see.
4: Bobby, did you kill Laura
1: Palmer? Sunday, April 8th. From David Lynch, Twin Peaks.
2: So, this is the last... Uh, round, of round one, we're going to go season one, episode five, with an 8.6 rating. The, the boys meet the log lady in the cabin in the woods. Fantastic scene. Audrey gets a job at Horn's apartment store. Shelly shoots Leo. Hank gets out of prison. Cooper finds Audrey naked in his bed at the very end of the episode. All right. All right. Up against season one, episode six, with an 8.6 rating. The Bookhouse boys visits one eye jacks across the border in Canada to find Jacques Renault. Maddie pretends to be Laura. Uh, and Leo wants to kill Waldo. So we're going to start off with Joel Baco.
5: This is a really interesting juxtaposition, not just cause it's two back to back episodes, but because I think these are my favorite at this point, my favorite non-lunch episodes of uh, season one. And I think that they're kind of, they overlap a little bit, but they kind of have distinct flavors to me. And I'll just say a little bit about episode five first, because I'm going to go to episode six. I think that to me is the one where, uh, even more than episode seven in a way, because that's like, so like I said, it's so unusually And Episode five, I think is the one where I really start to tease out some things Mark Frost brought to the show uh, on his own, because he wrote that script as a solo script. Mm. And it's his first one where Lynch isn't co-writing. And I think you see a different Cooper in that, to a certain extent. Like, he gets a little grouchier. He's more down-to-earth. He's more kind of human in a weird way. Lynch's is very, like, zany and zen-like. And I love that juxtaposition. And I really love the whole sequence where they go into the woods. They see the log cabins of both the Log Lady and Jock. And it's one of the most ethereal sequences in in the series. And I think I'd even go a little further back when Jacoby is questioning Bobby about Laura. Mm-hmm. This episode to me feels like one where we get the closest to to starting to think about who Laura was as a person, what she experienced. And I love kind of butting up Jock's cabin against how it is in the film and how it is in this, where we're seeing the aftermath. And the two to me, between those two sequences in Firewalk with me and this, you kind of have critiques. Now that said, I'm gonna go with episode six, and I'll explain more <laughs> why later. I won't do that now, but that's actually my favorite non-Lynch episode of the, the entire series. I love it, and I'll uh, save that explanation for later.
2: All right, uh, if you're if you if you're confident not enough that it will move on, Francine, you are. Uh
5: oh. Point. Uh-oh. Well, if, if if if
2: it gets knocked off, I promise you, I'll let you say it. I Made
5: too good of a case for episode
2: five. <laughs> <laughs> you made a really strong case for episode five, Francine. You're next in the docket. What what do you uh, pick?
3: This is another tough one. Um, I I realized that up, upon repeat viewings of season one that episode five is the episode that I always like. I sort of forget about because it's not. It's it's kind of the opposite of the. Uh, it feels like the opposite of the uh, the finale, the cliffhanger, because um, there's just a lot of like really beautiful someone used the word ethereal like things happening the walk in the woods like these you know these rugged men in the woods and i think part of what i like about it is that you see you start seeing the town of twin peaks uh or at least the the natural elements of it become one of the characters yep. um just them walking through the woods you know, when they meet the log lady up until this point, I think Cooper feels very much in charge and all of a sudden he's not in charge, she's in charge because mm. she knows so much more than he does at okay. this point in time. And, you know, just kind of Cooper like stepping back a little bit and having to be guided by her and the book house boys and learning their rules and their rules of the woods and the log lady I thought was wonderful. It, again. It's one of those like episodes that I just don't. I'm like, wait, what? What happened in that? Oh, yeah, it's that episode. It's a wonderful, beautiful episode. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels very slow moving, but it's it's just like a painting. It's beautiful, um, and then it ends with that like power punch of Coop coming back and finding Audrey in his bed, which was like really. I don't know if you can get away with it today, but pretty sexy at the time yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and exciting because um, you really wanted something to happen with them. And episode six, One-Eyed Jacks. I'm a huge fan of One-Eyed Jax. Um, I love all the scenes that happen there. Maddie, you know, pretending to be Laura, is all, you know, the doppelganger aspect of it. Playing with that is really exciting. Um, it's This is really tough. But at the, at the end of the day, they're both great episodes. I'm going to say, what's Cooper in an FBI jacket versus Cooper in a tuxedo? <laughs> I'm going to have to say tuxedo. Kyle MacLachlan looks like... Uh, Care grants <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty nice. So I'm going to have to say episode six, but that's
2: a tough call. All right, Francine, thank you so much. And Ben, we're going to you next.
1: Well, Francine, you tricked me because I thought you spent so much time on episode five. I thought it was episode five. For me, it's episode five. It's uh, yeah. I really love the idea of the men in the woods and the way they're framed and they all kind of, you see all of them yeah. together. And there is that carrying of the music. It starts with... Like Joel said, Bobby crying and, and finally feeling free, and you see the birds in the sky and the music, and then you, they get to, like, J- Jock's cabin, and there's always music in the air, and that, just the way that mm. that feeling of it, and so good, and it is hard to believe that it was just Mark Frost who wrote this, because there's, like, Logley saying, like, oh, close your eyes, and you'll burst into flames, and it's, to me, that feels so Lynchian, and, like, there's there's things that happen that's like, wow, this is all Mark Frost, but... To me, it was just so good. I just love the whole men in the woods, and you kind of get that again in season three where they've kind of gone into the woods with uh, Jack's rabbit and stuff. But uh, I, yeah, I just love that episode.
2: Wow, Ben, bringing it up for episode five. John, you have
1: a chance to tie this up.
2: Yeah, John, what, where are you going with this?
4: This is the moment you guys have been waiting for. <laughs>
1: <laughs> tell you. that uh before
4: we started i didn't know which one i was going to pick uh from that i did pick one before you got to this this round i had one so i haven't changed my mind um because i thought these were really equal of, of all the uh the uh the matchups here these two to me seem to be the uh the most equal it's very very hard if i suppose tomorrow if you ask me i might pick a different one um but you're going to get your tie because I'm going to pick five. Wow. Um, And I I guess there's a couple of things, and I think there may be emotional things really in a way um, that you don't get a lot of in Twin Peaks. Um, I think obviously the Log Lady sequence is fantastic, and I love it, and for all the reasons Ben said, and, and the dialogue, and, you know, um, I've always been curious as to what she meant when she said, You're two days late. I still don't know. Hmm. Uh, what would have happened if they had come earlier? Would things have gone a different way? But at the very beginning, when uh, Jacoby basically just breaks Bobby down right away and Bobby starts to cry, um all of a sudden the characters are are so rich and hmm. so real and alive. Bobby is you 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 suddenly find out Bobby isn't just the stereotype, he's something else entirely but i think that one of the scenes that's the most moving for me is audrey crying when she's watching them dance on the dance floor uh-huh. at the end and she cries she's she's been laughing just a few minutes ago and she watches katherine slap ben across the face she thinks that's funny but then when she sees leland uh, dancing and them going out there she starts to cry and for me, that Audrey is the Audrey we finally see again. We, she goes away for the rest of the, the show until season three, in hmm. my mind. This Audrey that is so emotionally distraught and conflicted and uncertain of herself and in need of help goes away and she becomes a different kind of character after this, But un- until season three. I think the Audrey we're, we see in season three where she kind of breaks down and talks about, I don't know who I am anymore, reminded me of this episode. So um, I could go on and on, and of all the things people said about six, I totally agree with, and I think six is a fantastic episode. But I think if I were, if I, one possible caveat on six is that it's really part one of two part story. Hmm. It really just sort of you know is is again, it's really not to detract from it in any way, but it really needs part seven, uh, I think. Whereas I think part uh, episode five. I think it kind of sits on its own a little more. Um, but I, I could, you know, I could give you some other reasons, but the Audrey thing stands out to me. So um, episode five, well, and there you go, Brian,
2: uh, what are you going to do now? Oh, man, <laughs> I was hoping this would not happen, but um, just because recently I've been reviewing all these uh, five, I will go with five.
5: Oh, no. what have I done? <laughs>
0: Um, if, oh, you
1: if you had like made that. your case, if you had made your case, Joel, maybe you would have swayed Brian. You would not have swayed
2: me five. <laughs> no. let me say five because my my favorite part of that episode is the Bookhouse Boys going into the woods and meeting the log lady. And the way it was filmed is very like you're watching a movie in the theater. The way it's framed up with the with the four of them or the three of them lining up with their heads peeking out. It, it's just so awesome. I love that shot. I love that whole scene. That scene's an amazing scene. It, it's that outweighs everything in episode six, and I, th- I just I just really enjoy that a lot. And I wanted to see more of the Bookhouse Boys. I really Me love too. those guys together. So I get to break the tie, and I'm going to go with five, and five moves on.
5: I'll just say for six. Yeah, I didn't make a case for. It. Uh, it is the Audrey episode of the entire season, I think, bar none. I mean, she does have some amazing moments in five, but six, you've got the cherry stem. You have her hiding in the closet and smoking. You mm-hmm. have, um, you know, when she's slipping Cooper the note going out and and just like, I, I think I'm even forgetting one of her big scenes in there. She's just like, she dominates that episode. And uh, you've got the the Harley Payton speech of, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Give yourself a present. Yes. And uh, the Maddie disguised as Laura talking, fun like pound for pound episode six. Like if I was to make a list of my favorite, certainly my favorite non lynch episodes of the entire series, I feel like 50% of them of the top, like 10 would be from this episode.
1: Yeah. Joel, you could have, you (laughs)
5: could
1: have.
4: Great dialogue in six. I think if you, you, I think, if we all argued longer and longer, we could, we could change. I mean, honestly six, as I said before, I mean, they're, they're very, for me, they're very hard to choose. And and Joel picks up, um, you know, the the Audrey scenes in six, the the scene where she's in the closet smoking (laughs) and she's laughing at what they're saying outside is, is a fantastic Audrey scene. And of course there's the cherry stem um, scene, which, you know, that goes down in history. Everyone remembers that. Um, so I I, I don't want to you know I, I hate kind of being forced to choose between two episodes because I'm not in any way you know saying six is is you know is inferior yeah I just emotionally I found five st- stuck with me but I, mm. you know anyway yeah sorry to, sorry well, to jump well, in there also,
5: episode five um, we get the follow up to that in this because that's the Audrey scene I was forgetting is the scene with Cooper sitting on the bed kind of talking her down yeah mm-hmm. wanting yep. to sleep with him which is such a great scene too yep. so like yeah there's so much good and i just want to also shout out Kel dishnell's sound design for some reason that scene where shelly is crying to bobby and you hear like the plastic rustling in the background has always stuck with me it's just this great like it makes it feel like you're out there on location yeah mm-hmm. you're right on, on stage and beautiful colors in that episode We don't get much blue in Twin Peaks, but we get a lot of it with Jacoby and his Hawaiian enclave. And this just Mm -hmm. beautifully lit, beautiful Mm -hmm. colors, candy-colored episode. So, farewell, episode six.
2: (laughs) It doesn't get any bluer. All right. (laughs) (laughs)
0: About time you got here. (laughs) They move so slowly when they're not afraid. Come on then, my log does not judge. I've got tea, I've got
4: cookies, no cake.
2: Well that's very kind of you, ma'am, but I don't believe that, what kind of cookies? Sugar, the owls won't see us in here. That happened, so we had our first high. <laughs> um, we now move on to round two. Season, season one, episode four, which is uh, Cooper and Truman track down the one arm man, Audrey begins her own investigation, yada, 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 up against season two, episode two, um, Dale um, does the, uh, the rock throwing with the police department, and we actually see the red room. So this, we're going to start off with Ben on this one. Episode two versus episode four.
1: It's got to be episode two. David yeah. Lynch. I mean, the rock throwing, the dream. It's the best.
2: <clears throat> and Francine, we're going to you.
3: Yeah, short answer, two.
2: All right. I feel like I know where this is going. <laughs> and John?
4: Episode six.
1: He <laughs> <laughs> brought it back in. You brought it back in.
4: It, of course it's two. Of course. Without a doubt.
2: And Joel? Short and sweet. Do we have to, what would you yeah, say? I
5: mean, it's it's clearly episode two. Gotcha. I think in saying goodbye to episode four, I'll just say the one, I don't even know if you can make a comparison point, but the one thing that it really has going that two isn't as interested in is I think that like late season push where everybody's on an investigation and the story's humming along week to week. But mm. that's sort of, uh, you know, episode two is just a triumph of like, of, of lynch on tv i think and it's very wild at heart to me it's like mm. the most wild at heart of his episodes because he made it right after he, he shot wild at heart he came back and shot this one out of sequence and you got the zany jerry stuff you got the bordello one-eyed jacks with its very sort of new orleans wild at heart feel there's a sort of a wackiness to it with the nadine and You know, but throwing the rocks at the bottles. I think it captures a tone of Lynch that even though it's the most archetypal Twin Peaks episode, we never see before or after from him in Twin Peaks. I think the pilot is much more kind of somber and and off kilter in a subtle way, and then his later episodes get really surreal. This just kind of gets that moment in like the early '90s where he was kind of in a hit the road and dance to Elvis mood.
2: All right, we're moving on. We are going the pilot. Laura's dead. Cooper comes to town. Up against episode five, the boys meet the log lady in the cabin in the woods. Audrey gets her job at the Horn's apartment store. Shelly shoots Leo. You know the rest. Um, we're going to start off with Joel Baco in this one.
5: I've got to go with the pilot, although i got a lot of affection for episode five. Uh, I hope somebody picks up episode five, just to make it interesting. And uh, since <laughs> we spent so much time choosing that one, to see it go down in a unanimous vote against the pilot would be kind of a anticlimactic.
2: <laughs> All right. John.
4: Sorry to disappoint you, Joel, but it's the pilot. <laughs> 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 it's the pilot. Um, I, again, I think we're going to talk about the pilot again. So. Um, um, Uh, it it's just i think it's a perfect uh piece of uh of cinema so um we'll talk more about it soon
2: we definitely will Mm -hmm. uh francine
3: Listen, if you want to talk about episode five a little bit longer, we can. (laughs) And actually, I will say this. I have seen the pilot episode about a million times. I've lost count. And right now, today, if I was going to put on one episode to rewatch, it would be episode five because it's a beautiful episode. There are a lot of like little little things that got, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. got kind of tucked away in my memory. Um, But it's a beautiful episode. It's really enjoyable to watch. But I do have to say the pilot because it's iconic Mm. and it's it's the one in my eye.
2: Wow, I thought you were going to go the other way, Francine. You were like, she's good.
1: She's really good good at tricking us. Trying to
2: fake you out
3: a little bit. Yeah, I like that. (laughs) Give you a little bit of hope too.
2: (laughs) Ben,
1: well, mine, my mine doesn't matter. I know, but
2: what would you pick? I would of
1: course (laughs) pick the pilot.
2: All right, I I know.
1: Lucy,
0: Lucy,
2: this is Pete Martell. Lucy, put Harry on the horn.
0: Sheriff, it's Pete Martell up at the mill. Um, I'm going to transfer it to the phone on the table by the red chair. The, the red chair against the wall at the little table with the lamp on it, the lamp that we moved from the corner. The black phone, not the brown phone. Morning, Pete. Harry. She's dead, <laughs> wrapped in plastic.
2: Now, it's interesting, just before we move on here, it's interesting how this played out because both these episodes, you guys unanimously picked it. Like, uh, episode two and the pilot, you all agreed on it. And that was these are the only two episodes you all agreed on, <laughs> so this is why it's going to be very
4: interesting now. Oh man! Um, so so one, one other interesting note is I'm just looking at your paper here. Um, episode seven has the highest IMDb rating. Right. Of every yeah, every one of these. So
5: Wait, of know, I'm the
4: not the sure talent who's talent watching talent. Twin Peaks, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, episode seven does have
2: a 9.1 rating, which is interesting.
5: Why it was not. Popular. I mean, a lot of people liked it, but it was controversial, right? Epis- More than any of the other episodes. The pilot?
4: Episode
6: no, seven. no,
5: the the season one finale, because they didn't reveal the killer and everything. Oh was. yeah, there was. Um, uh, Cooper gets shot. Well, right.
4: I think it was a lot of people were expecting it to be revealed or something significant to be revealed, at least in. That episode seven and um <laughs> it was nothing it was just you know it's just one giant cliffhanger it just like, they cut the film in half and said there that's all you're gonna get so i think there were some people who were frustrated
2: so we're gonna start we're gonna end the show the like the way we started it off francine
3: oh francine
2: we're starting with you
3: um this is Really tough, again, because I would say that these are two of the most iconic episodes of the whole show. Um, They're both incredibly important. I think, obviously, the pilot is our introduction to Twin Peaks. Um, It's Cooper's introduction to Twin Peaks, and we find out about Laura, but episode two is really when we start finding about what this place really is and probably what has to do more with, you know, Future things, including Firewalk with Me and The Return. I can't believe I'm saying that. I was going to say the pilot, um, but I think I might be, now that I'm really thinking about it, it might be episode two.
2: I, I like that answer, Francine.
1: You, you're not going to have any opinion <laughs> on this. <laughs>
2: this is not a political debate. I can, I can weigh in. Uh, we're moving on but to. What if this is tied then? Oh, <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. Uh, we're moving on to uh, John.
4: Um, okay, I gotta say before we started this, I thought for sure I knew what the winner was going to be. Now I'm not so sure. Um, mm-hmm. And but when we when we do know the winner, I want to make another final comment about something about these two episodes. But I'm going to wait on that. I'm good. Uh, everyone knows this, I think, from hearing me in other places. But the pilot is my choice for sure. I picked the pilot because I think it's absolutely perfect. And I and this is my. I don't get me wrong I love episode two and as I said when when we were we were going through that first round uh, episode two was the one was the episode that you know made me the Twin Peaks fan that I am so you would think I would choose it but I use the desert island uh, scenario if mm-hmm. I had to take one episode one chapter of Twin Peaks uh, with me to a desert island what would it be it would be the pilot and um, I just think it's perfect in every single way. I, I love it. I know it doesn't get into the deeper story. I know it doesn't even get into any kind of supernatural stuff. It, it's where it all really begins. I, you, Well, I'm going to save this comment for later. But um, I think it's perfection. So I choose the pilot.
2: All right, John. Thank you for that. Joel Baco.
5: All right. Uh, so no matter what I say... Um, then and possibly then you are going to be the deciding votes, which seems appropriate. Maybe so where, where am I going to tip it? Um, <laughs> I'll say this for so as I said, I saw episode one and I actually also saw episode two before the pilot, and uh, and that's and after I saw episode two in the dreams sequence, I said, okay, I'm going to stop this series till I can see it properly because that was amazing and I want to watch this the right way. So I waited a couple years for the gold box. Fortunately, I didn't wow. have to wait that long. Wow, that is dedication. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, well, now it seems crazy, because I watched Twin Peaks so much, but at the time, it's just like, oh, I'm to other movies and TV. So it's just like... But anyways, uh, so the pilot, when I finally saw it, I, I admired it a lot. I think it's uh, probably the... I think definitely the most perfectly executed piece of Twin Peaks. It just, from beginning to end, and I think that's... A, in some ways, as much Frost as Lynch. There's just a beautiful sense of like a a stone being thrown in the water and the ripples going out. We see Laura unwrapped, then we go a little further to her family, then we go a little further to her friends, and then the town. And it's just beautifully executed that first half hour. And then Cooper comes in and it brings a whole new flavor to the show. And to me now, I think the most interesting thing about the pilot that I love to think about is it almost exists in this alternate universe where you can imagine it ending and just ending like that forget the european ending for a minute and we never know who killed Lara. and all we're left with is this lonely town out in the woods hmm. you know the fog rolling in and it could be anything could have happened and we'll never know and there's this whole mysterious other side of the town and this other something out there that we can't quite touch and reach and it's just, and you can see why Lynch is in love with that idea. Now that said, when I put in episode two after episode one, I'd, I'd liked that Bob scene, but I still wasn't totally sold on the show. And when the it opened with the shot of the Horn family sitting around the table and just, you could hear the scratching of the silverware on the plates, this high angle shot, wide lens, beautifully framed. Nobody says a word for two minutes. And way before David Lynch popped up, you know, directed by David Lynch, uh, I had been thinking in the previous episode, well, gee, maybe he just produced this show. Maybe he was like a cre- – I didn't know anything about it. Uh, I didn't think they were going to solve the murder even. And uh, I thought maybe he was just like a creative consultant or something. But when this scene happened, I said, this was directed by David Lynch. And his credit popped up, and I was just sold from that point on in this episode – to me, this is the crown jewel of season one. It's where so many things that haven't quite kicked in yet in the pilot come in, and I, if, if I admire the pilot, I have a sort of cerebral admiration. This is totally visceral for me. This is like just intoxicating. So, episode two.
2: Wow. You're making me. Ner- I'm getting nervous here. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting I, real like, nervous. I feel like this
5: is like
1: a rematch because we had a we did the Lost Highway one and it was Joel and then it's my I'm the one.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm getting I'm, nervous. I,
3: if you don't know what to say, I feel like I have to add at least one more thing. Add one more um, thing. I, I feel like like again I was gonna pick the pilot and it, it is a beautiful, perfect episode and it's it, it's wonderful and but the more I think about it, episode two. Literally changed people's lives. It changed the way we view time and space, and the afterlife, and also possibly people's sexuality. Mm. Uh, really with Audrey's dance, that that was, even though it was the music is not rock and roll, that was a very rock and roll moment. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty life changing for a lot of people. So I'm that's I, I feel even stronger about it so too.
2: All right, Ben. They made their cases. Where are you going with this?
1: Well, you know, I think going coming into to do the show today, I said, you know, it, it seems like the pilot. You know, it was always I can remember everything about it. I mean, it's every there's it every beat. It's so it's just so well made. But my love is episode two. Mm. <laughs> my love, I mean, like if I think about Twin Peaks, I think of the red room. I think about the mystery, and I mean, so that's like that's where my heart is. I mean, I would. It's a good, the pilot's really good, but it's it doesn't have those elements that I, I f- fell in love with Twin Peaks. And it was, the, it was that red room. And, and Joel said it best about the whole idea of how David Lynch shot that. I loved going into that and <laughs> the horns just eating and just waiting and waiting. And it's just like, they don't do that on television. And I, to me, that was like so brilliant. So, I mean, I for me, it has to be, I can't believe this too, because I thought it was going to be the pilot, but it's gotta be episode two.
5: Harry, it's Cooper. Meet me for breakfast 7 a.m. in the hotel lobby.
0: I know who killed Laura Palmer. No, it can wait till morning.
4: I'm the only one to pick the pilot. Is yeah, that the right? outlier here. Yeah. John. I will say, I was going to say this earlier. I didn't want to sway anybody, but I, it is hard to divorce the dream sequence. I know it's in episode two, but it was shot way, way earlier.
6: Mm. You know, it,
4: it, I know it's not part of the pilot and I don't consider it part of the pilot. I don't, I wouldn't use that as, you know, extra argument to, to pick the pilot because it's not. Um, yeah. But, um, you know we talk about the fact that it was shot out of order and that uh episode two was shot much much later but that last 15 minutes was in fact shot much much earlier um and so <clears throat> there is still that kind of lynchian sensibility you know before the wild at heart stuff i guess which is what joel mm. was saying earlier and obviously you guys picked i can't argue with it and i love to i absolutely love to um you know, what stands out in the pilot, you picked a couple of things in, in um, two, but when the girl screams and runs through the courtyard in the, in the pilot, um, Lynch reused that again in the opening of season three. Wow. And um, that to me is, is Laura Palmer right there that we don't even know who that girl was we don't know if she even we reacting to laura palmer's death but <laughs> um i think craig and i wrote in wrapped in plastic a long time ago it was almost as if laura's death became known before it was announced <laughs> and um getting away from the sort of red room supernatural stuff which i again totally agree and as i said it was the thing that turned me into the fan i am the essence of that whole importance of laura palmer is there in the first two minutes of the pilot you see it when sarah palmer is screaming in the phone even before she knows what what's happening so um those are my those are my i'm I'm not trying to sway anybody or change your minds but those are the things that still stay with me and it's why i think i could watch the pilot uh without ever watching anything else again just just the pilot and i i'd still be kind of like yeah okay I'm, I've i got Twin Peaks. So, yeah. anyway, it, that's my final it, as the only voter on the pilot. <laughs> it
1: was so well made. Final statement. Well, yeah. The pilot is so well made, and I can probably almost, like, remember everything that happens in that, and for me, sometimes it's there's so much grief in that first episode, in that pilot and mm. stuff. Like mm-hmm. you have, and that sometimes that's harder. I think than I'm older sometimes to see, the mom mm. is grieving and the father's grieving and and the the school is grieving, everybody's grieving, and it's like, I don't know, it's it's a, it's heavy in some ways mm. and it's painful. Yeah, I mean, the principal gr- crying. I mean, everybody yep. is is in Andy. pain and yeah, Andy's, Andy's crying. crying. I mean, that's kind of almost <laughs> comical, but it's. I think sometimes it's harder to go back to that to say, like, okay, I'm going to witness this whole town relive this this horror of their town. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what made it good, too. I mean, it was incredible right. acting by everybody. But I also thought Cooper is a little different in the pilot. Like, he's a little bit. He definitely bit... is, without a doubt. More yeah. stern. Yeah. A little more stern. <laughs> yeah. And, like, there's something I love about <laughs> Cooper in 2 where, you know, he's a little more sillier. So like, you or maybe I even just look the way Harry and him play off. It's like, you really got this from a dream? And he's like, yeah. yes.
5: And he kisses his nose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's in the pilot. That's true. That was, re- I always no, wondered. that's the-
5: an episode two. Is it? I yeah, think that's
3: Oh, it is. Oh, you're right. And they're looking at evidence. Yeah. I always
1: wonder if that was uh, um, improv because it seems it feels so much more like Kyle might have done, just go honk. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't forget, too, if you want a little humor,
4: you got that dancing kid in the school hallway. Oh, right? that's true. Yeah. And you
1: got Bobby. <laughs> Bobby's dancing, too. Bobby's yep. dancing backwards or whatever. Yeah. yeah, that's true.
4: Well, ladies and
2: gentlemen, I, I thank you. We have our winner of season one Madness, episode two which I think everybody going into this was thinking, it's going to be the pilot. I did. And yep, I thought so too. I did. Yeah, Without a doubt, I did, yeah. Um, but I, I think it's because all these episodes are great. I mean, this was a tough one. This was a very hard one to do. And I know Ben was like, this is going to be easy. And I'm like, I don't know." <laughs> I said, we're so. going to be on
1: for 10 minutes. We're all going to be bam, 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 bam. We're yeah.
2: done. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I think season two is going to be a little bit more easier to cut the fat but there's no fat here. I don't think it's season one. Yeah. It's all it's all yummy steak and it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> Any final thoughts, guys? I I thank you for this very tough one.
3: I I hope you guys have me back and I hope you have me back like on a Wilder Heart episode or in something where I don't have to choose things. Oh <laughs> yes.
5: <laughs> well I'm the opposite. I want to choose between like Ben in a Civil War costume and like <laughs> Evelyn, Mark, just like the most ridiculous choices. Yeah. Oh, he, <laughs> he won season Houston. two.
2: <laughs> Joel, you'll be our constant through all this. I think you'll be <laughs> part of Madness season two and probably season three, if <laughs> you're up for <laughs> that.
5: Three, that's a whole other uh, ballgame.
2: Yeah. We're going to go through it all. So we have two more seasons to do. So it's going to be very interesting.
5: And then Mark Frost's films next. Yes, (laughs) yes. I just just watched a bunch of them, so I'll be Uh, on Fantastic (laughs) Four? Oh, no. I just film slash TV movies and episodes. Okay. And books.
2: (laughs) So before we go, I guess we can go around the horn one last time. Let everybody know what you're doing, your social media. You know, what's happened with you, and um, we'll start off the way we began yet again. Uh, Francine.
3: Yes, I'm Francine Lucid Dream. You can find me on Instagram, uh, mm-hmm. Francine underscore dream, or The Pink Room Burlesque, um, and that's also, the website's thepinkroomburlesque.com, and my website's francinedream.com. You can find out all about our shows, and hopefully we'll have something fun this fall in New York City.
2: Awesome. And you, were, you guys just did a small little, I don't want to call it a tour, but you guys just <laughs> went out and did a bunch of stuff
3: yeah wild we, heart. we actually um we did a wild of heart show at bedlam uh, almost a month ago which was amazing it was so much fun um and it was right in the middle of a blackout and people still showed up so wow. that was pretty amazing um we were not blacked out but um but the trains were down so we were very happy that people showed up and we were just in dallas before that we were at the church um doing a Twin peaks event there uh, cool. for a birthday party so yeah, it was a lot of fun, and uh, we've been doing a lot of shows. Also, we uh, collaborated with uh, Fuck You, Tammy, um, which if you don't know them, you should know them. They're a uh, <clears throat> David Lynch, Angelo Battlementi cover band uh, based in New York City, and they're fantastic. Awesome.
2: Awesome. De- well, definitely check that out. Did and- you,
5: is Wild
3: at Heart, the first film, like,
5: focused on a specific film event that you've done, or have you done other, other ones that are just centered on one film?
3: We have. We actually, in the early days of the pink room burlesque, we, um, every month, like, well, the first two shows were specifically Twin Peaks. Then we did yep. a Blue Velvet show. Uh, Ooh, cool. we did a and Drive show and we were doing monthly shows back then. Um, I was a very young and new producer and had lots of energy and came up with new acts every month. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and it was a lot of work, but a really, really fun. Um, now, um, it's mostly Twin Peaks. Um, but I love incorporating other, things in there um either doing like just a general david lynch night which could be you know anything we've had like eraser head numbers um lady in the radiator etc um but yeah in the future i would love to do more specific theme shows we've done Mulholland drive a, a couple times uh Wilder heart a couple times so yeah probably blue velvet next maybe Ooh, blue velvet two i should say <laughs>
5: okay. This is a random question. Have you ever had a Dune or particularly a straight story (gasps) character in there?
3: Uh, We actually did two Dune shows. Um, (laughs) The first one I did kind of as a joke. (laughs) I wasn't sure if anyone was going to come. There are a lot of Dune fans up there. And it's not necessarily the regular David Lynch audience. They're just people who are fans of Dune, both the books and the movie. And it was such a hit. It was really a lot of fun. Um, I, you know, we had lots of incredible acts in the show, and people came out and drove. So we did that a second time. That's another one I would love to revisit because it was a great show. There's a lot of things to burlesque in that movie.
5: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure.
3: The the spice will definitely flow again.
5: (laughs) (laughs) No no straight story characters.
3: um we did have a little cameo in uh, right. a david lynch movie on on a on a lawnmower but wait right. if i always joke that if i ever did a, a straight story burlesque act it would be a two hour long performance art burlesque act where i just do a really slow striptease on a lawnmower yes <laughs> i think it'd be That's awesome
2: that would be really cool <laughs> <laughs> all right so john what's going on with you
4: Uh, Yeah, well, um, I am working with Scott Ryan on the Blue Rose magazine, and we just finished uh, issue, uh, I guess it's issue 11. Um, I get the numbers mixed up because we're kind of doing different issues at the same time. But um, that's going to be what Scott has called the Men of Lynch issue, and that's going to the press really, really soon. It's all done. Everything's done. Um, we've got a couple of good interviews in there. I interviewed Dana Ashbrook a couple of – I guess it's been about a month and a half ago now. We've got a great uh, – we've got a bunch of good stuff in there that's coming out. We've got plans for the issue after that and and some more some more in the works with Blue Rose. And I'm working on something else, but I'm not going to talk about it too much right now. But I, you guys will be the first to know.
1: All right. Um, awesome. I'm on the show. Talk about it when you're ready. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and – um yeah, and if anyone wants to follow me, I'm typically just on Twitter, which is uh, at ThornWhip, T-H-O-R-N-E-W-I-P.
2: Awesome. Thank you, John, for joining us today. And Joel Baco, what are you up to?
5: I'm slowly making my way toward uh, more Journey Through Twin Peaks videos. Uh, hopefully, maybe in the fall. We'll see. I've been uh, sort of keeping track of that on Twitter, my progress through various projects. I get a complete... And on uh, Patreon, I am, I actually just today that we're recording this, unveiled the first of my, uh, the Lost in Twin Peaks podcast I've been doing where I go super in depth on each episode, sometimes like three hours <laughs> <laughs> on each episode. Uh, I just opened the first one up to the one, to the dollar a month patron. So usually it's for the second tier, but um, six, there's gonna be like a six month lag and then um, people, so today it was the missing pieces episode, which was the first one I did. And uh, my site, uh, when this comes out on August, uh, hopefully August 5th, is going to be a major revamp, redesign. It's been going lostinthemovies.com. It's been going for 11 years. And this is definitely going to be the most radical redesign it's seen. So, a whole new way of looking up stuff on there, lots of Twin Peaks work. And that'll be fun. And as I, I think Ben was saying, I just finished covering the Veronica Mars uh, new se- series, new season on Hulu. So if you like that, uh, check it out on there, and also on Twitter.
6: Awesome.
2: Do you consider yourself a marshmallow?
5: I guess I do now because I've <laughs> seen every. I wrote up every episode, and uh, kind of made my way through all the seasons. So I enjoyed it. It was. I think. You know, I like shows that have a strong sense of place, obviously like Twin Peaks. And I think the community of Neptune to me is one of the most interesting things about that show. And uh, I wrote about it a little in my coverage of this, the, the season finale. Um, at the end, I kind of reflect on the town and the social divisions in it and kind of what that says about our political moment and all this stuff. So it really, beyond just kind of being a fun mystery show or whatever, it, it gives you some some other things to grapple with.
2: Nice. Cool. I'll check it out. And Ben, people can find us where?
5: Well, you
1: we can find us on Twitter at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And we can find them on Facebook at Twin Peaks Unwrapped. And we're, also, we're everywhere else. We're, and, are we? we're on YouTube. We're, uh, you know, yeah, we're- subscribe
2: to us on YouTube. Give us a five star review on iTunes. Subscribe on Google Play or on Spotify. And if you got angry emails, you can send Ooh. them to twinpeaksunwrapped at gmail.com. <laughs> We'll be sure not to read them and totally ignore them. And with that I'll being, s- yeah, with that being said, we'll we'll see everybody in two weeks. Thank you guys for being on. Thanks,
3: Thanks so much for having yeah. us. Thank
2: you so much. So there's a lot of Twin Peaks fans here, I think.
0: So this is a this is a deep cut.
6: Thank mm-hmm. you.